Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true, people. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing, writing life, some video and audio interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, all kinds of writers. And right now I've got a new interview up with Willie Vallotton, a novelist, had a few movies made out of his books. What a nice guy. What a great conversation. It really was. Willie talked about when your soul takes over your book. I do like that language. I think he's right. What an interesting guy. Check it out, authormagazine.org. Uh, and we're also funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Been around a long time. They know what they're doing. They put on a great conference every year. I just got done judging 20 essays for that conference, and there were some good ones in there. Holy moly. Some real good ones. So, uh, yeah, so check it out, pnwa.org. They have a great conference every year. I'll be there. Today's guest will be there. All kinds of great. It's in the September this year, September over in SeaTac. If you live in the Northwest, you know, if you don't, people come from all over the country for this conference, not just agents and editors, but writers and attendees. It's a great conference. You can learn all about it at pnwa.org. Yes, as I mentioned, today's guest will be there. Well, if you've listened to this show, if you've watched my interviews on author, you probably are familiar with this guy. I think this will be maybe the sixth or seventh time I've interviewed the one and only Robert Dagoni. Uh, he's the critically acclaimed New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal and number one Amazon bestselling author of the Tracy Cross White series, which includes My Sister's Grave, Her Final Breath, In the Clearing, and The Trapped Girl. Uh, the Cross White series has sold more than Two million books, and My Sister's Grave has been optioned for television series development, but he's also the author of the best-selling David Sloan series, The Jury Master, Wrongful Death, Bodily Harm, Murder One, and The Conviction, also the standalone novels The Seventh Canton, which was a 2017 finalist for Mystery Writers of America, Edgar Award for Best Novel, and also The Cyanide Canary, which was a Washington Post Best Book of the Year. Uh, he is a two-time finalist for the International Thriller Writers Award and the Mystery Writers of America Award for Best Novel. Uh, he has sold so many books, and they are published worldwide, 25 countries, translated into two dozen languages. But today, we're going to be talking about a book that is not a mystery or suspense, The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell. Let's get Bob on here to talk about that. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Love being here. My my pleasure. You know, you are Robert Dagoni on the dust jacket, but you're Bob in person normally. Are you comfortable with that here in this conversation? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also William sometimes with Bill at times. Okay. So, so, I was thinking about it. I've known you a long time, Bob. I knew you back before we published your first book, actually. We went and had a you did, lunch yes, with Sherry indeed. Tucker back a long time ago. Uh, so this has been quite the journey for you. Um, and I can remember standing with you during a PNWA meeting, and you said, "I got this book. I'm sure it was this, The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hill." And you, it was a, but it was a departure. It wasn't a, it wasn't a mystery or a suspense novel. And you really wanted to publish it. 
junior age, and we couldn't you couldn't figure it out. That was a long time ago. Was that is that possible? Am I remembering correctly? Would that have been the, the extraordinary life of Sam Hell? You are. You're this would have been like five or six years ago, probably. It was. It was. You know, I tell people, um, Bill, it's it's sort of remarkable that your your prior guest who said that this was a book from his soul. Um, this was my book from my soul. This was this was my opus. I read. Yeah. I wrote the first draft of this book in five weeks, and Whoa. it took me ten, ten years to finish it because finish I, it. I, I I realized um, that. I didn't understand what Sam Hell wanted. And until I could oh. figure out what Sam Hell wanted, I couldn't finish the yeah. novel. And so I'm sure when you and I were talking that day, I said to you, I have this book. It's near and dear to me. It just flowed out of me. There were times I didn't even know that I was writing it. And I, and I think, you know, I, I, I loved it. And I really, I really felt that this was a book I wanted to have published. But I, I couldn't finish it. And, uh, wow. and then one day, just just as it happens sometimes with all of us, you know, I was uh, I was driving down the street uh, to go to mass at my house, and I looked up uh-huh. and I saw the steeple of the church, and I just it was like a bolt of lightning. I knew what Sam Hell wanted. He wanted to believe. Right. He wanted to believe that there was a God and that all the trials and tribulations that he was going through all the bullying, all the horrible things he had to deal with in his life because he was born different was for a reason, that there was a reason for it. And, he, you know, it would be so much easier for all of us in life, right, if we could just believe, if we could believe that, that, you know, everything we go through, everything we do, there's a reason for it, and it's all going to come out okay. Uh, And that's so hard to do sometimes. And once I had that, I literally drove home. I wrote the foreword to the book. Uh, and I finished it. Uh, and then, really? then, then okay. came the when real scary part, you know. When, when was when, so? Just just out of curiosity, like timeline, like how long ago did you did you say to yourself, "This is done"? Like when when was that? Two years ago? Six so months pro- ago? When was that? About, um, probably about a year and a half. Okay. Uh, I said wow. to myself, wow. "You know so what? I, I, think this is, I think this is done." It was, you wow. know. Um, it was. It's, and that's why I, you know, I tell people. I say this was sort of my opus. And you know, you're right. You're right in your introduction. You said this is different from what I normally do. So yeah. it was scary. Uh, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was. I, I love to write. I love to read. I read in every genre. I read women's fiction. I read. I read in every genre. I grew up reading John Irving, and uh, and yeah. Michael, um, uh, Pat Conroy, and, and you know, yeah. I, I, I grew up in reading this. And so this was sort of. This was sort of something, you know, based upon all the things I had read growing up. But it, you know, when you when you reach a level of success with uh, with a series, everybody gets a little nervous when you, yeah. when you you know, going to depart from that. But I I sent it um, I sent it to my agent uh, at Thomas and Mercer and uh, Gracie yeah. Doyle. She read it. She got right back to me. She said, "Oh my God, I love this book, but it's really not a book that we do." I want to send right. it to uh, Lake Union to a, a, yeah. an editor named Danielle Marshall, and she did. And then I didn't hear anything, and I thought to myself, <laughs> "Oh no!" Because <laughs> oh, oh, no. then what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, exactly. And then finally, after about three weeks, Danielle called me and she said, "I, I apologize. I was traveling, but I got to tell you, I read this book. I love this book. We want to publish this book." That's and great. The book came out last uh, month, and it's just it's, you know, it's one of those 
books, Bill, that um, it, it's very gratifying and heartwarming. I receive, uh, I receive all kinds of emails. It, it's, it has something like a 4.9 rating uh, on Amazon with over 500 reviews. But more importantly, I mean, I'm getting emails from people, um, and I kid you not, they're saying things like, um, I believe in God now. Uh, they're saying wow. things like, this book changed my life. They're saying things wow. like um, I, I could I could relate to to every character in there. And when I finished the book, I felt like I knew these people and and just wanted the story to go on. Um, I mean, wow. all the things that as a writer you just you, you know you hope for, you pray for, uh, but you don't always get. So it's been uh, well, it's harder to get that kind really of response. It is, and it's great. And 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 you're not typically not always, but typically if you're writing crime fiction or suspense fiction, you're not going to normally get that kind of response. You'll get a lot of, you know, appreciative response, but not of that particular kind. You know what I mean? And and so yeah, that must no, have been gratifying I, for you. Oh, very much so. You know, and, and, and I think the thing that was sort of most remarkable for me, you know, given how I grew up and what what I grew up reading was, you know, I got a, uh, a review from a, you know, a very prominent book, uh, book review service, book list, and they said yeah. that the book nestles in close uh, to the John Irving novels, you yeah. know, so to be compared yeah. to be compared with somebody that's always sort of been my idol and, and somebody that I love to read, you know, the, a prayer for Owen Meany and the world according yeah. to uh, it was just, uh, it was just, it was, it was almost, it was almost overwhelming to be honest with you. That's um, great. But it was, it was truly remarkable. That is awesome, man. I'll tell you, yeah, it's brave to do. Cause you know what happens, Bob is unfortunately, when we put books out and we step outside of sort of – I've seen it with authors when they step outside of their sort of their, their normal sphere, people can do weird things where they, they'll, they'll jump on you just because you're not doing the same thing. And they're sort of like, who yeah. do you think you are to not – you know, this guy's a suspense writer. He can't – and, 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 and the response can be weird. That will, it can ignore the book itself just because you're doing something different. And, you know, all kinds you know, of you're weird right. ego gets in. So I'm glad to hear that that didn't happen to you with this book. Because it can happen just for no reason other than just jealousy, I guess. Or yeah, no, I, people, you know, and I, I, you know? You know, I understand that. And I, I think Lake Union did a tremendous job of, of letting my readers know that, that this was something different, that this was, this was not a, a typical, uh, you know, mystery police procedural. Uh, and then, you know, then beyond that, I think as a writer – you know, I I am more than I am more than you know the Tracy Crosswhite series, and I've always believed that, and I've always I've always felt that way. I love to write. That that's the bottom line is I love to write, and um, and I this was a book that that um, that I wanted to write. It's a very special book to me. It I wrote it basically for my mother. Um, I have a younger right. brother that was born with Down syndrome, and um, and it was important for me to get this book out. Um, but it, it 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 was you know like I said it was one of those things that um, I don't know that I'll ever be able to replicate uh, in terms of uh, in terms of what the book meant to me and and how quickly I was able to write it. Um, it was uh, just one of those things that just kind of flowed. So it was uh, it was really pretty special. And so you said you started this like ten years ago or so, and that's when you were doing the David Sloan series. Um, Correct. 
and so when you when this when you started it, did you say what the hell am I doing? Like, what, what's going on? Because I because the, the Sloan series did great, but it was kind of up and down. And you were still you were trying to find the right publisher. You were out without a publisher, so there was a lot of kind of up and down at that point. And I so I don't know where you were in your your suspense career at that point. But when you started writing this, were you baffled by your own decision to do so, or did you just say, "I screw it, I I can feel it in me, and I got to just chase it." I, I could feel it. I, I could feel it in me. And the thing I didn't have is I didn't have, I didn't have the, the main character. I, I did not want to write a book about a child with Down syndrome. Um, I wanted, right. I wanted, um, I wanted my character to be much more cognizant of the fact that he was different, much more cognizant right. and understanding that he was, you know, he he had a um, he had something that that set him apart from everyone else so that he could understand when he was being bullied. He could understand when he was uh, being neglected. He could understand when, when people uh, passed him by. And, I, you know, I didn't right. know who that character was going to be. And then, you know, years ago I was reading the newspaper and there was this, this very small, maybe two-inch article in the newspaper about a young boy with ocular albinism, so he has red eyes, who was denied admittance to a Catholic school because they thought he'd be disruptive in the classroom, and just that was it. Of his eyes. I, that was it. Wow! It just, it, it, again, it just it, it hit me like a lightning bolt. This was my character. Uh, this was this yeah. was what I this is what I wanted to write about. I'm, I grew up going to Catholic school. I'm a product of 12 years of Catholic education. Um, I would say that I have a, a person of very strong faith. I'm not necessarily a person of very strong religion, but I'm a person of very strong faith. And this this book just really spoke to me um and I, you know i was able to, to bring in a lot of little things you know my father passed away about 10 years ago but um my father w- was fond of saying to to all of us i'm one of 10 kids he'd say this uh so whenever we did anything stupid he'd say you know what the sam hell is wrong with you all right and, and and so you know it was like that was the name and it just fit perfectly for what i was attempting yeah. to do and what i was attempting to accomplish you yeah know, absolutely right now I misspelled Sam. Sam. I misspelled Sam. Oh, my God. I'm correcting it right now. I can't bear it. Okay. How hard is that? Um, well, I, what a great name. How perfect. And, and you, you know, here's something interesting. I happen to believe that writers, whatever their religious beliefs are, have to have something resembling faith because, because you have to believe in something. This is what I tell my students and clients, which is you got to believe in something when there's no evidence other than the fact that you're interested in it. In other words, you're believing in something that no one else can see, no one else can know. So you had to believe in the extraordinary life of Sam Hell before the editor at Lake Union said she loved it. You had to first believe in it. And that's, to me, is another version of faith. Does that make sense? It does. And I, and I, I, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Years ago, I heard Diana Gabaldon talk a little bit about what she called the magic and she goes into her room and she lights a candle mm-hmm. and she waits for the mag- magic to happen and yeah. you know a lot of people will, will hear that they'll 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 see that in print or they'll hear that and they'll think you know oh, what a bunch of hooey but when yeah. you when you are a writer and you and you do go into this room and you start with a page that's completely and totally blank and 425 pages filled later you have created not just a story, but you've created a life. You've created multiple lives, and you put those lives on paper, and you've done it in a way that that people believe it. People believe these are are real human beings. 
Um, I, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that if that isn't magic, uh, that there's something else to it. <laughs> well, you kind of, I always think of it, you know, I was, the, the metaphor of the muse has always made sense to me because I think I got better as a writer. Writing got easier for me when I began to understand it as a relationship, that I go to my desk and I'm in a relationship with you can, whatever you want. You can call it God or the muse or source energy or whatever languages. But I feel like if I think I'm doing everything, it doesn't work. In fact, you know what? I, a little while ago, I interviewed James Lee Burke, and he was the first writer I've interviewed who was just absolutely unequivocal. You don't do it. You are not the one who does it. If you think you do, you can't do it. You are, you are whatever you think it is, but you're talking, listening, seeing something that is not all you. And I have to agree with him, actually. It's, it's not I, I agree with him wholeheartedly. Me. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I yeah. agree with him wholeheartedly. I don't know where the stories come from. I think the stories already exist. And, yes. and I am, yeah. in many sense, I am just the, 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 the muse, the means by which the story is being put down onto paper. I tell people yeah. something very similar. I tell people that when I initially started writing, I was writing from my, from my head. And I was thinking yeah. of everything and what's going to happen next and what's that. When I found real success, it was when I was confident enough, when I had the courage to stop thinking with my head and allow myself to write from my heart. And when I could finally write from my heart, that's when I started to receive the kind of emails that we all hope to get about characters being real, characters being yeah. real to people, characters wanting to know what's going to happen next, um, all that stuff. The characters become very real. And um, I, I, I firmly agree with uh, James Lee Park that I, I yeah. think that, you know, there is a... There is another realm out there that uh, that you have to give yourself the, the time and the opportunity, as you said, to tap into it, to be in a place where you feel comfortable tapping into it, to do yeah. the things you need to do, like Diana Gavaldon lighting a candle, so that yep. uh, you can tap into it, and then you have to just allow the, the characters to speak to you. Yeah, that's and that's the language, and it's funny because, you know, there are a lot of – writers are interesting, blend. it's one of the reasons I love talking to them is that – some of them are very spiritual and some are just really just like want to tell their story and make a living. And they're very practical people in a lot of ways, but then a strange way, there's really nothing about writing that's practical in that way. You really have to give over to the sort of mysteriousness of it. And I love talking to writers who would never want to sound like a guru or a mystic. And yet when they start talking about writing, that's what they sound like. They can't, it's the only accurate description of what's happening to be accurate, yeah, I, I, you yeah. know? I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so uh, so the so you've you've got this book out, and by the way, just this morning I opened up my front door, and there's another Robert Dagoni book sitting on my front step, uh, yeah. a steep price, which will be out June when? That'll be out June 26th. Okay. So is this the next Tracy Crosswhite book? I haven't even looked at it yet, honestly. It is. is this the next? That is the okay. That is the sixth book in the Tracy Crosswhite series and you know that was something that uh, you know that I, I continued to write and work on, on those ideas while I was editing and, and doing all the stuff I needed to do for Sam Hell. so that comes out on the 26th of June and um, yeah. a couple of dates oh. coming up for me on, on June 12th at 7 o'clock I'm going to be at uh, um, Booktree in Kirkland discussing cool. um Discussing Sam Hell and also one of the Tracy Crosshead books, the first one, My Sister's Grave, 
And then on the 13th, uh-huh. I'll be down in Tucson at the Poison Pen Bookstore uh, for the well, release of, of uh, A Steep Price. Nice. Nice. Now, uh, is all this listed on your website? Uh, it may or may not be. I've got to go look at <laughs> okay. all that stuff. <laughs> sometimes, right. sometimes, you know, I just got back from New York, and sometimes just trying to catch up is, is hard to do, no, but I, I, will, I will see that it is on there. Uh, well, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good summer for Bob Dagoni. Two books coming out. Uh, it's exciting. Now, uh, do you now that you've done the extraordinary life of Sam? Do you, are you still interested in going back to? The, I mean, are you just as excited by the Tracy Crosswhite series, or is there now? Do you feel conflicted? Uh, do you think ah, no? Maybe no, I want to no, write no con- more. Yeah. No conflict. No, sorry to interrupt. No conflict. That's I mean, right. I, I, Tracy Crosswhite is, you know, Tracy Crosswhite is very much like Sam Hell to me. She's, she has become a, a living, breathing, you know, character in, in my novels who has progressed, you know, so far in, in her personal relationships uh, and in her own life um, that, you know, I, I, as much as the readers, want to see where she's going to go from here and, and what right. she's going to do. So, um, you know that's that's really I'm anxious, really anxious to have a good idea to to write for the the seventh Crazy Crosslight book. Um, I have been asked, you know, whether I will do another literary novel if I have another one in me, and you know, I always uh, my my answer to that is always um, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna have to just yeah. wait and see what happens because, you know, as as you know, as a writer, um, you know, you can't necessarily try to force an idea especially not on those kind of novels. So I have no. an idea that's sort of, you know, uh, sort of brewing inside of me, and, and, and it's there, and I know it's there, and it's, every once in a while I'll get a little bit more of it and a little bit more of it, and uh, I'll just have to see if that eventually evolves into a story. You know, it seems like one of the challenges of writing literary fiction, um, there's a bunch of them, but... One is you really start from nothing in a certain way, whereas if you're writing a series, although I've never done it, but it does seem to me you at least you know who the character is. You don't have to reinvent that wheel, and probably you, and you know who she works with, and you may have even, I would assume, I don't know if this happens for you, but you're writing, you know, you might have been writing uh, trap, The Trapped Girl, and as you were writing it, maybe a little idea for next book percolates through that. I don't know, but it seems like you don't have to start from nothing. Is that fair yeah, to say? Absolutely. You know, no, I, yeah. I, absolutely. And, you know, you 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 have a character that has a life. Um, right. You know, it, it it's it's uh, it's. I when I teach writing, I always say that to my students. You know, it's it's difficult sometimes when you start a book because if your character is thirty five or forty or forty five years old, right, that character has had a full life before the reader yeah. opens the book and meets that character yeah. for the first time. With a series. You know, they 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 have met that character before. They know what's going on in that character's life. They know if that character has uh, gotten married. They know if that character has had a child or wants to have a child. And so they they're able to meet meet a character that they've already known, and just then find out what's going to happen to the next. Um, and that right. can be that can be as exciting, I think, as opening a book, you know, completely blind and and uh, and and not knowing anything about the characters and just allowing yourself. To become part of their world and find out where it goes, um, because people who read series become very invested in the series, and so they're already part of the world and and they want, you know, they want very much to find out, uh, you know, what's going to happen next. You know, a good example of that is you know Game of Thrones or Diana Gabaldon, oh. you know, uh, Outlander series. 
yeah. you know, people become yeah. sort of, um, uh, they get almost obsessive about it. It's, you know, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Because they become part of the world that the, that the writer creates. Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, what do you, what assumptions do you make when you start, when you start writing, say, a steep price, what assumptions do you make about the reader in terms of how much they know about this book? Do you, do do you assume that, do you, do you not try to bring them up to speed or do you, or do you say, I kind of, do you have a kind of, kind of, I hate to use the word boilerplate, but a certain way you get everyone up to speed who, who maybe this is their first Tracy Crosswhite book. How do you handle that challenge? Not without boring your regular readers. Right, and that's a great question because that is the potential problem. If you go right. into your current book and you put in a bunch of backstory, the readers familiar with it say, why are you telling me this? I already know it. The yeah. readers who yeah. aren't familiar with it, they go, why are you telling me this? I have no idea what's going on here. So right. you know, I think the trick is basically to not spend a lot of time on backstory, right? To just tell the story of the person from that point in their life going forward and and the right. hopefully the reader will be you know intelligent enough and and 99.9% of them are where they will go oh this is the sixth book in the series i'm going to go back and get the first book and find out how we made it to this point right um and right. and so they can they can sort of fill in those blanks on their own i think you know i made a mistake early in my career after i wrote the jury master and it hit the new york times bestseller list and they wanted us a follow up and I made the mistake of, in writing the follow-up, of putting in some backstory on what had happened in the first book. And I, those are the, exactly the kind of comments I got. It was either, why are you telling me this and slowing down the story? I already know it. Or it was, why right. are you telling me this? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Right. And your editor couldn't help you with that. I'm surprised your editor didn't steer you around that. Well, it was hard. You know, it was hard because, because there is sort of this, like you said, there is sort of this, this belief that if you don't bring a reader up to speed, uh, the reader's going to be confused. But in yeah. reality, what I, what I learned is that if you try to bring the, the reader up to speed, that's when you confuse the reader. And it's better to <laughs> just tell the story that you're telling from that point and allow the reader to immerse themselves in that world from that point, and they will right. be intelligent enough to go, there's five books before this one, I want right. to find out how she got to this point. And now you're at the point in your career, Bob, it's the snowball. The snowball is getting downhill now, so I would imagine when a steep price comes out, you'll see a slight bump in my, sister, my sister's grave sales. Is that, is that a fair assumption? Yeah, well, we're, we're, yeah, no, we're already seeing it. In fact, you know, uh, it was, you know, getting, getting to that first million in sales was, it, it took a while, and then getting to two million, and I think I think now we're over three and a half million. But um, oh, you know, oh. it just it starts to get faster wow. because what happens is just what you said. It's like a snowball, and so yeah. you know, people will see I have a new book coming out, and a reader will go, "Wow, I'm going to look this up," and then they see that there's all these books that pre uh, predate that, and they go, yeah. well, "I'm going to start from the beginning." And so yeah. my sister's grave is still the engine that pulls along. <laughs> the rest of the series, and it's it's a- absolutely right. amazing. I mean, for instance, this month alone, you know, just starting in June, my sister's grave is outselling all the other books in the series, which is you know really unheard of when the book's been out for for three and a half or four years. But yeah. I think what people are starting to people are starting to get to know me. People are starting to hear my name, 
and they're going and they're they're saying to themselves, "Well, I might as well start at the beginning." God, you gotta love genre readers because they're hungry. They just oh, they, once love, they, they yeah. just want to they they just want to keep reading in that genre, you know. And they, I I used to be a genre reader back when I was a teenager, and I just I couldn't get enough of it. You know, it was just like I don't want to say it was a drug, but I wanted a certain experience, so I would just get hooked on somebody and say, "Give me more." And, yeah, uh, no, and they're they're passionate. And, they're passionate readers, yeah. and and they're passionate fans, and uh, you know, and and a lot of them, I get a lot of emails from pe- from readers that will say, you know, thank you for making your books available on Kindle Unlimited. You know, thank you for making your books available at a, a you know, at a at a discounted price because right. you know I'm I'm sh- I'm shut in. I'm suffering from cancer, uh, or wow. I, you know I I'm I'm elderly and I and I can't get out that often. And I read five right. books a week, or I read ten books a week, and you know they wow. just—they're just—they're people that just truly enjoy your work, and and I can't tell you how heartwarming that is to get those kind of emails from people that tell you, you know, I've been going through chemotherapy, and your book was a, a great, um, you know, escape for me for at least a few hours. I mean, it's just yeah. you know you can't—it's—it's it, remarkable. It's, great. It, it's really remarkable. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty good job, isn't it? There's worse things you can I do. I love it. Yeah, no, I love it. You know, it's what I wanted to do since the seventh grade, and I, I took yeah. a circuitous route to get here. But now that I'm here, it's, it's, uh, you know, I tell my kids all the time. I'll say it's not a bad life, guys. It's not a bad no. life. No. Um, but you, you, put you know, your dues, you, you've, you paid you've been there. You've been there. You've been there. I heard a comedian say, "I feel like I've paid my dues in some other people's as well." <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, no, no I, I, it, it's certainly not an overnight success, that's for sure. But, oh, um, God. But it's, 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 if you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life, right? So no, you I don't. I very blessed. I, I'll tell you, Bob, I made a decision a bunch of years ago. I said, I'm done doing anything for money that I wouldn't do for free. I'm just, that's the new goal. I, if I, will yeah. be, I will only be paid for something I'll do for free from here on out. And it was a good decision, I have to say. I would do this for free. I would everything I do. I would even coaching, teaching, all of it. I would do it for free. I don't do it for free, but I would. And so it's, yeah. it's a good choice on my part, I think. Uh, all right. Well, listen. As I knew, it was a great conversation, but I'm not quite done with you yet. Uh, you mentioned where you're going to be. People can find out about it at robertdagonibooks.com. Is that the correct website? Yeah, just www.robertdagoni.com, and then they can click on oh. the calendar, and I'll see that that gets okay. up to date. Awesome. All right. Well, I know I've asked you this question before, but the answers keep changing from people. That's what I love about it. So maybe it's changed for you since publishing The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell. But if writing has taught you anything, Bob, what's it taught you? Well, if writing has taught me anything, I would say it's follow your passions. Um, follow yeah. your passions and let the chips fall where they're going to fall. But if you follow your passions, you get up every day happy, and you get and you go to work every day happy, uh, and it's a it's a wonderful way to go through life. It really is. Yeah, good answer. All right, Bob. Well, congratulations, congratulations on the success of the extraordinary life of Sam Hell, and 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 I hope the steep price rocks it along too. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. I always appreciate being on your show. Thank you. You're very welcome. Take it easy. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, pursue your passion, people. He's right. Pursue your passion. Do what you love. Do what you love. Uh, next week, 
Who am I going to be talking to? Barbara Bottinger. Ooh, interesting woman. Interesting woman. Uh, done a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about children's books and that. Till then, until then, go out and do something you love. Be with someone you love. Do something you love. Can't go wrong.